0: welcome to this podcast from Christchurch London for more information and resources please go to Christchurch Easter eggs and they felt like you could get a lot more better value for money if they just gave me and my brother Peter uh, five pounds to spend on as much chocolate and sweets as we wanted and uh, it can it turns out you can get a much higher uh, chocolate-to-money ratio, when you just buy bars and bars of chocolate, so everybody was happy, um, apart from our dentist, obviously. <laughs> um, but anyway, let's get stuck into today's sermon, and uh, firstly, should I just say thank you so much for being here this Easter Sunday, because uh, I don't know about you, but sometimes um, at Easter time, the stuff going on outside of church can seem a lot more fun and exciting than the stuff going on inside of church, doesn't it? Um, I mean, apart from this particular service, of course. <laughs> but, I mean, for a start, you get a four days holiday. You get Easter egg hunts, you get making Easter bonnets, Easter bunnies, uh, cream eggs, Facebook feeds full of people trying to make giant cream eggs for some reason. You get hot crust buns, you get egg rolls, uh, which are apparently not rolls with egg in it, but a game that you play where you hard boil an egg and roll it down a hill against an- another hard-boiled egg uh, to see who wins. Sounds great, doesn't it? And, uh, I don't know if anyone else did this thing when they were a kid where you decorate a nice little egg and then make a little home for it in a little cardboard box, and then you take it to school, and everyone votes on their favorite. Did anyone else do that? <laughs> no? Just me. Well, uh, unfortunately, I couldn't dig out any of my own masterpieces, um, but I found a couple of similar ones online. Um, we'll just look at them now. So this one is um, extraterrestrial. Yeah. Yep. Um, Egg-tartic, and... Um, Final one, Obama. Um, unfortunately, there wasn't a pun that came with this one, so I made one up. I went for uh, Bereg Obama, who sits in the uh, Oval Office. Yeah, I spent half my sermon prep planning that. <laughs> um, but then on the other side of things, the Christian story of Easter seems to put a bit, bit of a dampener on things, doesn't it? I mean, for a start, we've got quite alienating names for pretty much every day around the, Christ, um, the Christian Easter celebration of Easter. Uh, we've got Shrove Tuesday, Ash Wednesday, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, Easter Sunday, Easter Monday. I mean, the last two are all right, but what about all the other ones? And then also, our symbol for Easter is a bit of a depressing one because it's a picture of a cross with a dead man hanging from it. And it's as if, outside of the church... People have felt so awkward even broaching the Christian Easter story that they've overcompensated. Instead, making Easter a story about um, the coming of spring and new life and family. And the only symbol of Easter uh, can be seen in our hot crust buns. I don't know if anyone saw that uh, news story recently where the Prime Minister reprimanded the National Trust in Cadbury for removing the word Easter from an Easter egg hunt, Uh, calling it something like the Great British Egg Hunt or something. And I think sometimes um, Easter isn't just confusing for people outside of the church, but it can be confusing for us inside of the church as well. I mean, sometimes it's Easter, it's hard to know how we're supposed to feel, isn't it? Um, Are we supposed to just focus our sights and emotions on the cross? Are we supposed to remember the pain that Jesus went through? Or are we supposed to celebrate that he's risen? It's a roller coaster of emotions, isn't it? And sometimes we think it would just be easier to take a bank holiday trip to Thorpe Park instead. So, what is so confusing about the Easter story? Well, I want to suggest that tonight, maybe often at Easter, we only focus on half the story. I think often at Easter time, we skip straight to the climax, and we miss out the preface and the epilogue, the before and the after. And I think, actually, the Bible tells a fuller story of Easter. And only when we understand that full story, that is when our hearts and minds will be changed towards this confusing holiday. One of my favorite books is The Fault in Our Stars by John Green. Uh, I know, I know, the film is extremely average, but trust me, the book is way better. And I think one of the reasons this is my favorite book is because it's actually one of the only books that's made me cry. Ah. but I think this, the fact that it triggered this emotion in me is the sign of a full story. Or I'm just a wet blanket and I cry out stories intended for teenagers. But by the end of this sermon, I hope that not that we're all crying our eyes out, but that our hearts are stirred once again to this Easter story. That we gain a greater understanding of why God did what he did by sending Jesus. And we are newly excited um, about what it means to us today. So... What is the half of the story that we currently know about? Well, I think if we wanted to sum up the Easter Easter story we currently know about it, we could do it in two words, and it's coming up on the screen behind me, or it already is, (laughs) Um, to fall and redemption. So it's a bit jargony. Essentially, it means the fall of humanity into sin and the redemption, the saving of humanity through the death and resurrection of Christ. And I think if you were going to ask someone to tell you the story, this is how they would summarize it for you. They might say something like this. Firstly, God recognized that the world was sinful, so he sent his perfect son, Jesus, into the world to save the world. In order to save the world, Jesus had to die on the cross um, and be raised again three days later in order to break the power of sin and death on the world. And so, as a result, anybody that believes in him will not die, but be able to go to heaven to be with God and Jesus forever. This is the narrative of the fall and redemption. And it is the core part of the Easter story. It's the part that we read, that Raph read in our passage today. And I think a lot of us might be thinking, well, surely that is the whole Easter story. What else is there? Well, firstly, I just want to highlight that if we did feel like this was the whole Easter story, we might be in danger of two things. Firstly, it looks like the only positive thing about being a Christian is that we get to go to heaven when we die. As a result, we're not quite sure what we're supposed to do on this earth. We might end up treating this earth like a bit of a waiting room, waiting to get off this earth, Um, maybe living a more comfortable and sheltered existence and not making the most of our time in this world. And secondly, if we were gonna take an action from this Easter story, It looks like the only thing we are supposed to do is to convert as many people as possible, to tell them about Jesus and to warn them about heaven and hell. And I don't know if anybody has tried this tactic for converting somebody, but it's a bit of a scaremandering tactic, isn't it? Warning people about heaven and hell. And firstly, anyone that you tell this this story to um, might firstly perceive you as being a little bit strange. And secondly, the majority of the time, this tactic doesn't work because it doesn't reveal the true reason about why we believe what we believe. So, if we were going to summarize that, this fall and redemption narrative um, for, for, meets us with a challenge, because we're not sure what it, is, what it means to our lives today. Um, I want to tell the story about a U.S. Olympic diver called David Boudir who um, tells his story about how he became a Christian. Um, He says that before he was a Christian, his whole world was about his diving. This is where he got his sense of success, his worth, and his identity. However, he met a real blow when he competed in the Beijing Olympics, hoping to go away with a medal, but came out just 10th. This sent David Boudin to a real spiral of depression and frustration and questioning life. And it was during this time that he actually met a friend who was a Christian who told him more about the person of Jesus. And during this time, um, David Boudir decided to commit his life to, um, to faith, of becoming a Christian. But as someone new to his faith, um, he wasn't quite sure what his newfound beliefs were meant to his life today. He says this. Initially, my conversion had a detrimental effect on my diving. My sport seemed so insignificant and unimportant compared to the weighty, eternal matters I was investigating. I preferred to spend my time learning about Christ rather than thinking about diving. Diving practice? I'd rather sleep and read about Jesus. Here we see David Boudier struggling to know how to make his beliefs relevant. And does anybody else struggle with that as well? Maybe not in the same way that David Boudier did, but does anyone know and believe what Jesus did but not sure what it means to our lives today. Well, I want to suggest that the full Easter story is our answer. I think the Bible tells a fuller story of Easter that shows us how we are to combine what we believe with how we are to live today. So, shall we look at this full story of Easter? Good. (laughs) Good. We are anyway. (laughs) And like any good story, we're going to start right at the beginning of this book, um, of the Bible actually, at Genesis, at the beginning of time. This is the point where God makes the whole world and everything in it, including human mind, humankind from scratch. And to the first human Adam, he says this, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So our story begins where God makes a perfect world with perfect humans that have no limits, where creation and life and fruit are abundant and there's absolutely no sin or death. Tim Keller, an American pastor and author, notes the absence of sin and death in creation when he says death was not part of God's original creation. We were not created to age, weaken, fade and die. We were not created for love relationships that end in death. Death is an intrusion, a result of sin and out of human races turning away from God. We are trapped in a world for which we are not designed. That's an interesting way of looking at it, isn't it? That the world we are in today isn't the one that we were originally intended. We were originally designed for a perfect creation. And so, this is chapter one of our Easter story, creation. And chapter two and three is the narrative we currently know about, the fall and redemption. And I don't know about you, but seeing creation at the beginning of our Easter story now, instead of the fall, adds a little bit of hope into things, doesn't it? It maybe takes away a bit of the doom and gloom, and it maybe reveals that God maybe does actually care about the world. God actually didn't always intend us to be sinful beings that needed sorting out. And it kind of puts a new perspective on the redemption, doesn't it? It kind of shows that Jesus did, um, God didn't send Jesus um, to teach us a lesson in morality, to show us how bad and sinful we were and how great and amazing he was. No, God's sent Jesus, because he knew about this perfect original creation, and he saw that something was standing in the way of that. He saw that it was sin and death that was stopping this original creation, and he needed to send Jesus so that his original creation could once again be possible by breaking the power of sin and death. And so it makes you think that now we see this story up until this redemption, that maybe there is a chapter four to this story, and you would be right. Because God didn't just send Jesus to redeem the world for nothing. God sent Jesus for a a purpose. And this is actually the chapter that we are living in today. So what is the name of chapter 4? Chapter 4 is restoration. (laughs) You already knew. Restoration means the action of returning something to a former owner, place, or condition. Through Jesus... God redeemed the world so that the world and everything in it could be restored to his original creation. This is the message of Easter. That God redeemed the world so that worlds and everything in it could be restored to his original creation. Now our prize is that we don't get to escape the world, but that we get to restore the world. Not that none of the world matters, but now all of the world matters. And actually, this work of restoration began the moment that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. Um, and we know this because in the bible um, just before jesus is about to send ascend back into heaven he leaves a final command with his disciples to begin this work of restoration and the bible calls this the great commission let's read jesus words to his disciples here all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. This is the command of restoration that Jesus leaves with his disciples. And it's interesting that where it says, um, where Jesus says that go and make disciples of all nations, this is very similar to where God says to the first human Adam, be fruitful and multiply. And it's as if, now that um, the world has been redeemed, the disciples are now free to do the same as Adam, to be fruitful and multiply, but this time in contributing to the restoration of the world. And this great commission is not just a command for the disciples. This is a command for us today. We get to contribute to the restoration of the world. And it sounds very big and exciting, and maybe a little bit daunting, doesn't it? Restoring the world. But let's not be daunted, because firstly, Jesus says he will be with us to the very end of the age. And secondly, because actually this work of restoration has already begun. Because over the last 2,000 years, there have been millions and millions of Christians that have gone before us, that have begun this work of restoration and already made a significant impact. Dinesh D'Souza, a US political commentator, says this, This Christian idea was the propelling force behind the campaign to end slavery, the movement for democracy and popular self-government, and also the successful attempt to articulate an an international doctrine of human rights. If the West gives up Christianity, it will endanger the egalitarian values that Christianity brought into the world. The, The end of Christianity also means the systematic erosion of values like equal dignity and equal rights that both religious and secular people cherish. It was also Christians that initiated establishments like schools and universities. It was Christians that initiated the culture of art and literature and music. And it was all down to the obedience of a few individuals that believed in God that decided to restore the world in their own unique way that have made such a value on our society today. Going back to our friend, Mr. David Budir, our U.S. diver, now that he's a bit further along in his faith, he realizes that God does not want him to shut himself away. And so he returns to his diving, but this time with a completely transformed mindset, putting God at the forefront of his practice, his training, and his competitions. And once again, David Budir qualifies for the Olympics, this time in London. But instead of going away 10th, David Budir goes away first. He goes away with the gold medal. And David says this, God has given me a platform to know him and make him known. And that platform he's given me is diving. David Boudier realized what his role was in restoring the world. And he decided to be obedient to God's calling on his life. And I think that's the key key thing we need if we are going to contribute to the restoration of the world. Obedience to God's calling on our life. Because it wasn't just David Budir that was obedient, but actually Jesus Christ himself set the perfect example of obedience while he was here on this earth, and look what he achieved. I'd like to just share two stories of obedience to illustrate this. Ernest Gordon was a young British officer who fought in World War II, but unfortunately was captured by the Japanese when he was just 24. And at the time, the Japanese felt that if you were a prisoner of war, you should have rather died for your country, so they treat the prisoners like dogs. And they were put to work to build the Burma-Siam Railway in the middle of the Thai jungle. And conditions were harsh. They were made to work at 120 temperatures, and their rations were cut. Um, and Ernest Gordon describes the culture in the camp as like hell on earth. He said, every man was for himself. The strong would kill the weak and take their possessions. But this all changed after one soldier stepped forward and changed the culture of the camp forever. It was the end of a long, hard day um, after working on the railway and the soldiers all um, lined up to return their tools, but a Japanese officer came to them and said that somebody had stolen one of the tools, somebody had stolen one of the shovels. He said, who has stolen this shovel? Nobody steps forward. He says, if nobody um, owns up to stealing this shovel, I'm going to shoot you all on the spot. Still, nobody steps forward. So the Japanese officer picks up his gun to cho- shoot everybody on the spot and then at the last moment one soldier steps forward. The Japanese officer beats him to death in front of the group and drags him away. Later there's a recount of the tools and they find out that actually there was no tools missing. The Japanese officer had miscounted. Immediately everybody wonder who- wonders who this soldier was that had sacrificed his life for the group. They later discover that he was a Christian who had lived by the verse, no greater love has any man than this, that he should lay his life down for his friends. Immediately, the whole culture of the camp changes. It's as if the kingdom of God descends into that camp. The soldiers decide to treat each other like brothers. They pool their skills and resources and start a university right there in the middle of the jungle where Ernest Gordon teaches philosophy and ethics. They make musical instruments and put on musical concerts, they make their own paints and put on art galleries. They treat the the Japanese officers that had beaten them with forgiveness and compassion. It's an amazing story, isn't it? Just down to the sacrificial obedience of one soldier, everybody, including Ernest Gordon, gained a sense of Jesus and decided to be obedient themselves in restoring that camp for the better. The other story I'd like to share is actually from my own life where about five years ago I decided that it it was right for me to move away from my original profession as a pharmacist and I didn't get a lightning bolt down from heaven I didn't get an audible voice from God I just had a sense inside that this might not be the profession that I was meant to do for the rest of my life but during this time I wasn't obedient to God Because, okay, I'd moved away from my profession as a pharmacist and felt like I'd been obedient to God in that sense. But I also felt like time was of the essence. I couldn't just sit around and wait for God to tell me what I was supposed to do with my life. So I decided to push loads of doors and strive in my own strength and apply to all the jobs on offer to try and solve the problem myself. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't push doors ourselves and test whether God is working but I think I did it so much that I became extremely frustrated and stressed. I couldn't solve the problem myself of finding out what I was supposed to do with my life. I should have been obedient to God. I should have trusted that his timing was perfect, and I should have had peace that he was leading me, but I couldn't handle it. And today, I've just landed a full-time job in learning and development, which I love. But if I look back over the last five years... I think that things could have been a lot more peaceful and fulfilling if I'd just been obedient to God's calling, if I'd just trusted in his timing and just had peace that he was leading me. So, let's be obedient to God. Let's bring our dreams and decisions to him. And let's trust and have peace in where he is leading us so that he can direct our paths in bringing out about restoration of the world in our own unique way. Could I invite the band to come up, please? And if you don't know Jesus today, I can imagine that being obedient to God might sound really far off, but I would simply just start with this, bringing your dreams and desires to him. Because we've seen today that God does not want us to live a boring and restrictive life. God invites us to be part of an amazing story right here, right now, to be part of restoring the world. So, what should we remember about Easter this spring? What should we remember when we go back to our Easter egg hunts and our roast dinners this bank holiday weekend? Maybe let's remember this. Through obedience to God, we can contribute to the restoration of the world. Easter isn't just a story about the fall and redemption. Easter is a fuller story about creation and restoration. And we are not just alive today to remember what happened 2,000 years ago, but we are alive today for a purpose, to be fruitful and multiply, to love God and to restore his kingdom, and to make disciples and be obedient to his commands, for we know he is with us till the very end of the age. And we're going to sing a final song of worship now. And if you don't know Jesus but would like to know more, we would love to speak with you and maybe pray for you as well. There will be a prayer team who will just be up here in a few moments. And um, if you would like prayer or would like to speak, please do come up. Do not hesitate and take this opportunity to learn more about how you might be able to take this next step in knowing Jesus. And I would be more than happy to speak with you as well. And if there's anybody else out there who, has just, um, struck a, who this talk has struck a chord with them, who wants to know how to take that next step in restoration in their own way, please do also get prayer for that as well. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. For more information or for further podcasts and downloads, please visit ChristChurchLondon.org.